All right, how's everybody doing tonight? Good. My name is Stuart, and um, I work with a, uh, a network of relational churches, uh, small, simple churches around the city of Greenville. Um, so glad to be here. It's such an honor to be here. I remember years ago as a freshman when I sat in that seat right around there, and most people would have thought that I just blended in with everybody, but I was really somewhat lost. I knew how to kind of play the role of a Christian, didn't really know the living God. And so it's an exciting thing when I asked Jesus about what we should do together. When um, I feel like there were two things that he said, and the first I was cool with, the second one I was a little bit, really? Um, the first was, I think he wants us to work on the Holy Spirit, uh, talk through the Holy Spirit together some. But secondly, I feel like the very specific thing he said was, you know, let's do this one a little different. Um, a lot of times in our culture, we hear sermons and sermons are like things that mess with our heads. And then we go out tonight going like, wow, good point. That lined up with scripture. Thanks a lot. And we may or may not live these things out tomorrow, right? It's like a, like a to-go to -go pack, a to-go lunch. You know, we take it, we pack it up, and we may eat it tomorrow. We may not. But tonight, I feel like the right thing to do in the spirit was to try to teach something tonight for a shorter period and try to experience something tonight for a section of our time together. You with me on that? We're gonna to try to do what we talk about in this space. So if you put two and two together, we're gonna to try to create a space for everybody here who's willing and desires to, to have a simple, deep, authentic experience with the Holy Spirit. That's not a crazy promise to make you because I'm not the one facilitating that, but I can create a little bit of a space from scripture to say, this is what the Holy Spirit can do in this space. In our culture, we have a ton of spots where we come to gatherings like this. And there's a million good reasons to be here, but what if tonight we really aimed at the spirit being at the core of it all? You with me? Wanna give it a try? All right, let's do this. I usually like to begin with the Shema. Um, I don't know if some of the crew that I know, does anybody I know wanna come up and like do it for us? It'll be on the screen. If anybody wants to come take a shot, uh, throw, just yell. You can just say it with me, for me, on the screen. Anybody want a piece of this? I'll do it, I'm not scared. Anybody want a piece? Who? What? Kate Burns. Kate Burns, come on up here. Come on up here, Kate Burns. Come on down. All right, uh, if you can stand with me and now Kate. Um, we are going to say uh, the Shema together. It's a simple battle cry, okay? What up, Kate? You cool with this? You kind of got peer pressured. You sure? All right. So um, Kate's going to say these words for us. You can read off the screen. It's not going to be from memory. And this is a simple battle cry. You do not have to yell this with us, but we, we do want you to consider the idea that we're about to talk about a, a battle cry that says we are here for God and God alone and to love him and love neighbor, okay? So Kate, uh, the screen behind us have the first few sentences and then we'll have the next few after. You want the mic or to go micless? What do you feel? Do this thing. All right, let's go. Okay, okay. All right. Here, O Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. All right, very cool. You can have a seat. All right, let's get going. 
In the beginning, in the beginning, God created the... That's good. Let's try it one more time. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yes, thank you. When God created the earth, it was essentially a ball of chaotic, confusing dirt. Don't skip to Genesis 1, verse 3 or 4 or 5. It begins with a very chaotic ball of dirt, just like any other planet out there you look at now. The moon's not that big of a deal. It's a floating ball of dirt. Every once in a while, it looks like a fingernail because the sun shines on it, but the rest of the time, it's just a floating ball of dirt. It does not sustain life, and that was the earth when God first created it. In Hebrew, Genesis 1 describes the earth as tohu vavohu. Say it after me. Tohu vavohu. Chaotic, confusing, lifeless, not what it's supposed to be. It's like a canvas without any art on it. It's like a car without an engine. It's like the office without Michael Scott. It just doesn't work. It's not meant to be. And this is the earth. And then the next verse in, it says that the Spirit of God hovered over the earth. The Spirit of God. The word in Hebrew is ruach. Say the word after me, ruach. You gotta get deep. You gotta, you gotta dislodge some stuff in the back of your throat. Ruach. Yeah. Get out that COVID. Get out that COVID. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Just fine. There's no COVID in here. Uh, so you gotta go deep. Go deep in your throat. And ruach is the Spirit of God that hovers, that hovers over the earth. And this spirit, as it hovers over it, life begins to, to, to blossom. Life begins to happen. In the next few days, now we have life on earth. Everything is just teeming and blossoming and it's beautiful and it's magnificent. It is no longer tohu vavohu. It is now life and life-giving because of the spirit of God. Now God, from this ball of earth, reaches down. And he finds some dirt, a little bit of dirt that he finds there on the planet, puts it maybe in his hands, forms it. And this little bit of dirt, the word is Adama, Adama, this dirt is what God takes and he once again has in his hand something chaotic, something not the way it's supposed to be. This isn't what Adam from Adama will ultimately be. This will be what he's constructed of, in the same way the earth will be constructed of dirt, but this isn't the full picture. It's tohu vavohu. And then Genesis says in the next chapter that God takes the dirt and breathes life into the dirt, into the nostrils, and creates from that dirt the first human. Now, humans are unique. They're unlike any other thing God's ever created. He's made angels, and angels are inherently spiritual beings. He's made animals, and animals are inherently physical beings. But this, this causes the angels to throw a pretty sick party when they're, they're screaming for joy going, what is this thing he is making? What is he doing right now? He breathes life 
into the dirt and makes out of a physical being a physical and spiritual being. The breath of God, ruach, the spirit of God is the breath of God in Hebrew. Wind, breath, spirit. Take a second and imagine this scene. God inhales, exhales, and just breathes into this dirt. This is the scene. And now we have the first human. Now, the scenario quickly goes downhill. In the next chapter, Eve and Adam take a moment, tempted by the enemy, and they fall into sin. And in falling into sin, something radically happens that changes the game for humanity. Let me explain it to you. I'm going to use this example that's uh, a little bit beta version, so excuse me if it looks like a really bad design game of cornhole, but it's just, it's just a board with some squares around it. But for the next few minutes, I want to take this dirt, this Adama, and show you, as we just kind of imagine this being the illustration of humanity, I want to show you what seems to transpire when Eve and Adam fall into sin. This sin, essentially what it does, is it's going to now take this breath of God, this active, living essence of what it means to be a human, and it's going to divide it from now spiritual and physical all combined to now flesh and spirit. Now, this flesh will be what humans will live from for the rest of the scriptures until something changes later on. Let me explain how it operates. Human beings are flesh, first and foremost. Let's start there. We'll work our way through. To be flesh for us, according to the scriptures and according to what you just yelled out, means we have a mind, means we have a heart, and it means we have a body or strength. That is the basic understanding of the flesh of a human. And what happens when Eve sins is this breath of God that used to animate her, used to define her, this active dynamic of life inside, life inside of Adam. They are now separated from God because of sin. They die from God. Death in Hebrew is separation. And now this epicenter of life, this way of living intimate with the spiritual being of who we are, at, at our core we have a soul, and that soul is a container for a spirit. We are now separated from God who is spirit. We were made in the image of God. John 4 says God is spirit. We were made as image bearers of his spirit. But when we sin and we get away from him, now his breath is no longer an active animator in our lives anymore. We're not actively receiving from God because he's far away. So what we're left with is a mind, a heart, and a body. But how this operates when you have this empty void is going to remind you a lot of the dirt that we came from, tohu vavohu. Let's work through it. When you have a mind, let's imagine this is the outside of the square. Sorry for those of you here on the corners, but this is the outside of the square, a mind. Imagine this is part of what it means to be a physical flesh human being. We have a mind, and a mind, what it does is it thinks logically, it figures things out, it processes, it does calculus, you know. These are the things the mind does. But the problem with that is as we try to use a mind apart from an active spirit within us, the mind, the best it can do is make sense of the physical world around us. Are you with me? When the flesh 
operates apart from the spirit, all the flesh can do is make sense of the physical. That's the ceiling. That's the limitation. And so we have minds that try to make sense of things, try to figure things out. COVID, race, politics. We think and we think and we think and we try to solve things using just the physical world around us. And that was never the way the mind was meant to operate. That's closer to Tohu Vavohu than the Ruach who leads the human experience. So when you have a mind that tries to figure itself out, Corinthians warns us. It says in 2 Corinthians 4.4, Satan has blinded the mind of unbelievers. What that means is you're trying to figure things out. You have no idea that you're blind. You're trying to solve things that can't be solved. You're trying to solve things that you don't know God intimately enough to see it from God's perspective. So you go to Clemson and you pick your major and you invest in it so that your mind will be developed to figure out a skill, to solve some problems, and your intellect is developed. But is it developed at the expense of a mind that's supposed to work in conjunction with the soul? How much time are you spending at Clemson developing ruach? The spirit versus how much are you learning to operate your mind better? See, for me, when I came here years ago, I had to pick a major, right? You kind of got to do that. You can't just walk around. I mean, you can just walk around, but it's not going to go well for jobs and stuff. And so I, I was like, I got to get a job probably after Clemson. And so my, when, I, when somebody just, you know, said, bro, you got to figure it out. You're like a senior in high school. Figure this thing out. I, I went after civil engineering. Any civil engineers up in this place? Yeah, way to engineer things, one guy. Um, so... So I, I, we already talked about that. We talked earlier. We, we, we know we're both civils. We, we, know, we know we come from the same place. So uh, I, I did civil engineering, but no offense to anybody who loves civil engineering, but um, I only did it because my neighbor that lived behind me, one day when I looked at how nice his car was and how big his house was, he lived on the, you ever lived in a subdivision where like you're in the poor side, but your house backs to like the rich people? Yeah, that's how it was. And so he would like pull in this nice car. We're like, we just walk places, you know. And but anyway, he came home, with this nice Beamer. And, and one day I was just like, Mr. Darty, And he's like, yes, kid. And I was like, what do you do for a living? And he's like, I'm an engineer. So I was like, it's senior year, 10 years later, when somebody's like, what do you do? I want to have money, engineer, you know, and then I figured out Clemson's hardest major was engineering, so I'll go with that. And so I, I studied and I did calculus and I went through all these classes and I learned how to do things. And the whole entire time I'm like, this all seems so stupid. Like what? No one's ever going to ask me to do a 20-page calculus equation where you solve for some variable that no one cares about. And all those teachers, they're like, well, you got to learn how to do this stuff because you're not going to always have a calculator in your pocket. I'm like, yes, you do. In 2021, literally everybody has a calculator in their pockets, you know. And so all the stuff I learned at Clemson was almost obsolete because technology was changing. So I was laughing at my buddies going, hey, y'all about to graduate. We're all junior seniors. Y'all going to actually do engineering? And they're like, yeah, what are you going to do? I'm like, not engineering. And then I get out, I realize like most people think you should do what you majored in. And so I, I, I just applied to engineering companies and then they hired me and I worked for this one that was just working me to death all the time. And I was like, why am I designing Walmarts in North Carolina? I'm not even designing the Walmarts. I'm designing the sewage system so a dude can poop at a Walmart in North Carolina. That's my life. And so I'm sitting there going, what does this have to do with anything? And, and there's a guy one day outside landscaping right outside my window in our nice office complex. And I looked outside and I'm like, I would, do, my face is like up against the window. I would do anything to be you. You know what I mean? Just to mow a lawn. And I was like, this is literally where the phrase grass is greener came from. Because I'm like, I want to do this so bad because I don't want to do this. 
my mind, I just didn't conceive of things very well. And if you aren't careful and you don't root your mind in something spiritual, you will find that your mind may have some blindness, some limitations, some things you just can't see. But we're not just what we think, we're also our hearts. Our hearts, our emotions, our feelings, our fears, our everything, how we feel about a thing in a moment, that's a lot of how we are also designed. We're designed to feel. And in high school, before I was a believer, I felt insecure. And I felt like what I needed to do is have a girl that would date me to make me feel better about myself. And so I dated and I dated and I dated. And it made no sense, but it was what my heart wanted. So I said, if I feel it, I should do it. I was ruled by my feelings. Maybe you've met somebody that says, I feel a way, therefore they do a thing. And you wonder, is really the heart the thing to be followed at all times? Especially when the prophet Jeremiah says, the heart's deceitful among all things. Should we be being ruled by our hearts on their own? For me, I ended up dating a girl for a year um, that, I mean, our relationship, here's kind of the core of it. Uh, she would call every night at nine o'clock. We'd be on the phone for an hour, but we'd never talk. She played Amy Grant songs on cassette tape and uh, she just played it on her end of the phone, one of those phones that has a cord on it. And I'm like just sitting there like locked to my bed going, I can't go anywhere because of the cord. And then Angela's like, Amy Grant time. And she, she just played it and we just sat there and I just heard her like sneeze and cough and huff every three or four minutes. And that was like the most romantic thing in the world. You go, You're still alive, Angela. You know, I mean, that was, that was the whole idea, but it felt good. And now I look back and go, I would never advise anybody to call that dating. That was weird. I mean, it was the weirdest thing in the world. We were just like listening to each other play music. What was that, you know? But my heart wanted it. I felt good about it. She felt good about it. And then you've got this body and it's limited. Your strength, my strength is limited. You've got this way of operating that doesn't fully operate the way it should. And so... What Jesus does is he comes on the scene and he offers a way to a world that's caught up in their feelings and their thoughts. A world that ever since Eve sinned, you know, if you look at why Eve sinned, she sinned because in her mind she wanted wisdom. Read Genesis 3. She wants wisdom, right? She wants delight, Right? She wants something that's good for food. That was the driving force of the sin that got us in this place, is a person decided to live from the flesh and didn't acknowledge that the most amazing thing God had ever given us was something right here in the middle that was meant to be the core of who we are, was meant to be the center of who we are. It was meant to be the thing emphasized above all things, and that is we are spirit. So when Jesus comes on the scene, he's, he says this really, really very deep thing to everybody. In John 20, verse 21, Jesus, the second Adama, the one who is flesh but also spirit, says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I am sending you, John chapter 20. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Once again, Jesus says, if you trust in me, if you believe in me, I'm going to put things back together again. And you're not going to be ruled by your mind. You're not going to be ruled by your heart. You're not going to be ruled by your body or your strength, your resources, your time, your money. I'm going to invite you to a realm of life that is far beyond anything. If you think what he's saying is, stop thinking. That's not what he's saying. Faith is not in opposition to understanding. Faith is in opposition to seeing. If anything, if you begin to think with your soul in mind, 
then you begin to think bigger thoughts because now you're not just conceiving things of the physical world. You're conceiving things of the spiritual world. Your mind activates and triggers on all new levels. You don't stop feeling. You realize God feels the same way sometimes and you're grieving and then you connect with him and you go, he's grieving too. And it illuminates your feelings even more. There's a whole theology of emotions. That's why the Shema says, love God with your heart. He's not saying stop feeling. He's saying, I'm freeing you to feel fully. And he's not saying stop, you know, having money. He's saying use money in a way that advances the kingdom of God. It's a bigger thing Jesus is inviting us to. In Romans 8, 11, he says, the spirit, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give your mortal bodies through his spirit life. He will give you life to your mortal bodies. It's an amazing idea. The spirit gives life to us. So let me illustrate this two ways, and now we're going to go to the Holy Spirit after this, all right? So let me illustrate this real quick, then we're going to right into it. We're just going to have a few minutes of just seeing what the Holy Spirit wants to do when we reorient our lives around him. Let me, let me just say two things. The Spirit of God is not just about the possession of the Spirit or not. The Scriptures teach that when we place our faith in Jesus, Jesus will give us the Holy Spirit. John chapter three, verse eight says, we have to be born of the spirit. Ephesians 1.13 says, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So the spirit of God is something that at salvation, when you decide to trust in Lord Jesus Christ, becomes a reality, but it doesn't stop there. It's not just a qualitative thing, it's a quantitative thing. It's a thing that when you begin to live from it, it's not just a possession thing. It's a thing that when it lights up, you're like, whoa, he's crazy. Uh, when it lights up, it begins this idea of now becoming emphasized where everything you think and feel and experience physically now becomes oriented and it orbits around the Holy Spirit. This is what the scripture says, not just being born of the Spirit. It says, John 3, 34, God gives the Spirit without limit. Ephesians 5 says, don't be drunk with wine. And a lot of people are like, see, Christians sit and drink. The emphasis of this passage is not alcohol is bad. The emphasis of this passage is if you've ever seen a really drunk person and how unbelievably out of control they are, then imagine, imagine what Jesus is offering when you live from the Spirit. You can be filled with the Spirit and the Spirit can dominate your life. Are you with me? This is fascinating stuff. So fascinating. You can live from this. Every day, every minute, you can live for the connection with the living God. So let's go after it. Y'all ready? We're gonna take a few minutes and we're gonna invite the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've ever heard that before and you're like, should I stretch? Are we doing cartwheels? Is this a tongue-friendly environment? And what we're not really, that's not what we're necessarily doing. I'm not gonna limit the Spirit, but we're gonna do something really simple. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna have the prayer team come on up. Um, the band wants to come up. Uh, and we're just gonna set up the space, Okay. And you don't have to move out of your seat for the next few minutes, but I'm gonna invite you to just explore whatever you feel like is right for you. If you need some space, like if you wanna come down here, if you wanna lay down, if you wanna get out to the sides, there's a prayer room out to the side and there are gonna be people all around ready to pray for you. If you feel like there are some barriers to the Holy Spirit speaking and leading in your life, then I would say one of the best things scripture puts into place is the laying on of hands. It's a simple elemental thing to just come up to somebody and say, I, I've got, could you pray for me? And even if you don't tell them what to pray for, if you just sit before them and let them lay hands on you, they're gonna be asking God how to pray for you. All right, so I don't know if we wanna dim the lights or just kinda go like super chill, but I'm gonna lead us here for a minute. All right, so, so I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you three or four simple movements to play around with. And we're gonna see what happens in the room, okay? 
So just go with me. There'll be some stuff on the screen. I'll use my voice at times. Before we begin this, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, if you are comfortable with the ledge, the ledge where you stay in control, the ledge where you're the Lord of your life, the ledge where you want just a little dab of the Holy Spirit, but not the whole thing. And I just wanna say, this, this may not be a successful few minutes, but if you're comfortable getting to that ledge and say, I'm gonna jump past my flesh, I'm gonna orient my mind, my heart, and my body around the reality that God's not just hovering over us, he dwells within us. For the next few minutes, do not look up for God. Do not look side to side for God. If we're gonna do this well, you're gonna have to look deep within you for the presence of God. Do not feel like you need to open the scriptures or read the scriptures. God isn't the Bible. He wrote the Bible so that we would know him, but he's bigger than a book. He's bigger than scriptures. And if any of these verses I've just read for you are true, God can meet you in a way in the next few minutes that no matter what you hear and see and do for the rest of your night, nothing will compare to a gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit. I can't guide you any further than this. This is the ledge, right? So let me give you a few movements. Number one, I want you to think for a minute about intimacy with God. When you process the gospel, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the first time you ever met the living God, was it all about an altar call or peer pressure or emotion? Or was it the true nature of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you? Right now is a great time to say, I've never actually known the God who dwells within. I've only known the God who's way up there. If you need right now just to come down and allow somebody just to pray the gospel over you, if you wanna spread out, if you wanna go somewhere, then just allow God to invite you home in the gospel. For the rest of us, I wanna give a minute to just let the Holy Spirit speak something to you very intimate. I'll read this verse several times and give you some silence. If you need to position your body or change your sitting or whatever, just get to that ledge and listen. Listen, here we go. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. <laughs> Get to the end of yourself, the end of your flesh. Does the Holy Spirit testify to you right now? You're a child of his. Gosh, it's so good. Beg the Holy Spirit to do his role. He wants you to. Gosh, God wants nothing more than just to tell all of us that he loves us. He doesn't need a preacher man to do it. He wants to tell it through the Spirit. getting from the living God right now about you about him about y'all 
If you need help, the people that are around the stage, you're not interrupting them. They're praying for you right now. If you just want to come down and say, listen, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm not getting any kind of identity from him. He's not reminding me of my, my childlike relationship with him. Feel free to come down. Press in. This is not a gimmick. It's the living God doing what he's done since Jesus Christ gave his life for us. Now for conviction. Let's change the movement just a little bit. Would you ask the Holy Spirit now to reveal to you if you're grieving him in some way? Don't run to God with your sin. Let the Holy Spirit share with you what he sees about your life. Ah, this stuff is so out there, I know, but the living God speaks through the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit telling you about conviction in your life right now? the Spirit, you're probably not going to feel condemned. You're going to feel safe. He's going to say, I know. I know. I just wanted you to know I know. And forgiveness is yours. If you need someone to pray over you, to pray for the Spirit to speak louder, for us to move our minds and hearts and bodies kind of out of the way more, feel free to be prayed over. And now, we're going to take it a little bit deeper. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit for guidance. What do you have in your life right now? That you know your heart is ruling it, your mind is ruling it, your body's ruling it. But if you're deeply honest, it's tohu babohu. It's confusion. You don't know if you should be dating that person. You don't know if you should be in this major. You don't know where you want to live. You don't know about the roommate situation. You don't know about should you say something or should you not. Listen, the Holy Spirit is a counselor. The Spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. All truth. Right now, ask the living God the question that's on your heart and your mind. And listen, listen. Gosh, it's so beautiful. Just listen. And if right now you're going, wait, is that me? Am I just making things up? Keep 
pushing yourself off of that ledge until you sense the living God does something in you. And don't say something like, my my, my friend will never believe this. Who, Who could I prove this to? You're not trying to prove interactions with the Holy Spirit. It's not, what, it's not the game. The game is just understand that God loves you. And maybe the truth you need to hear right now is the Spirit just needs to cover you with affirmation that God sees you, not from up there. He sees you from in here. That He knows you, that He's for you. Let God say it. Jesus is light. And the spirit inside of us allows Jesus to illuminate everything. Asking yes or no, left or right, what do I do? And listen, not with your ears, not with your mind. Listen with your soul. It's a place we don't exercise much, but listen from your soul. Let's do one more. We're gonna ask the Spirit for power. This one gets a little scarier. What do you have in front of you right now that you feel anxiety over? When you look in the mirror, do you hate what you see? Are you stressed and tired of trying to please your parents and please the world around you? Are you addicted to your phone and you feel like there's no way I'm gonna be able to ever not have those hours I'm giving to that screen? It feels like it's part of my DNA now. Where do you feel like the mountain is too big? Listen to this verse. From Acts chapter 1, wait for the Holy Spirit and you will receive power. (laughs) Right now, in this moment, the Holy Spirit can give you nuclear power. What felt overwhelming 10 seconds ago can feel like it's it's an easy task in the next few minutes. Let the Holy Spirit fill you Fill your soul with something that is bigger than what your body can accomplish, bigger than what your mind can think, bigger than what your heart can feel. I'm going to leave us now in this space for just a couple minutes and we're going to sing. My challenge to you would be this. There's going to be people still up here. You can continue to go to them sit before them. You can come lay down in front of the stage. You can lower yourself, decrease yourself so the Holy Spirit can be at center. But don't stop begging. Don't stop listening. Don't stop pressing in. You're not tohu vabohu. You are home for the Ruach, the Spirit of God. Let him breathe that spirit into you. Keep pushing. Keep digging.